Oh, so this is the thanks I get for working overtime. Overtime! You think you know me. Live from the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios, it's overtime with William Pattison, Jace Brown, and Dawson Wise joining you on a Tuesday night, 865-546-8200, your number if you want to hop in and join us. Great first hour ahead of us tonight. Um, Auburn possibly coaching Rodney Garner. We'll talk about that later in the hour. Um, Also, our best bets at the end of the hour, as always, but we begin the episode today with Vols Bracketology, ESPN's Joe Lenardi. Released his updated men's bracketology on Monday, updating the college basketball world on the current standing of the big dance. Uh, Lenardi slated the 16-5 and volunteers as the 8th best team and the lowest ranked two seed in the tournament following a loss to South Carolina last week. Um, kind of hard to imagine that Kentucky win didn't factor back into it. Um, the one seeds consisted of Purdue, UConn, Houston, and North Carolina. The two seats consisted of Marquette, Arizona, Kansas, and Tennessee. Um, are the Vols falling to the lowest two seed fair, considering that big win on Saturday? I'm going to say no. Uh, I just I don't feel like we should have dropped three spots. Uh, I feel like the Kentucky win again should have factored in and at least kept us maybe at six. Uh, I still think we're a top five team in the country talent-wise. I don't think a mid-season loss in conference play to a very good South Carolina team. I mean, mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong, very talented, a very, a very hot team right now. Uh, I don't think that should be discounting us this much. Um, then again, it's still very early. Uh, you know, I know we like to look at this, but a lot's still going to change. Uh, there's still a lot of games to go, a lot of big games to go that are going to switch this around, not just for us, but for other teams as well. Mm. Uh, I could see us being below Kansas. They get a huge win over Houston last week. It was a big week for them. Uh, they're back on track. So I could see us being below them. Uh, I don't really get Arizona. Uh, they've struggled in conference play. Uh, haven't lost a ton of games. But just haven't looked very convincing uh, at times. Marquette is a very good team as well. Uh, I could almost see us being below them right now. But, again, I think the Kentucky win keeps us slotted at six. Uh, that's as far as I would have dropped us this week. Um, but I still think it's a top-five team. I, I don't think it's fair to drop them this far at all. I, I, I'm not 
terribly mad at us dropping this far solely because, right. I mean, the loss was at home. I think that's one thing that's coming into play here. Uh, now, granted, Lamont Paris has really turned that South Carolina team around, and I think uh, from the bracketology, they're sitting at like a six seed right now. Maybe mm-hmm. might be moving up here soon, depending on how well they do. But uh, I'm not terribly mad. I mean, uh, just depending over these next few weeks, I mean, we still got six weeks till we're in actual tournament uh, bracket time. So, I mean, uh, still got some – Hiccups may be on the way for Houston and Kansas of the like. Uh, like you said, Marquette hasn't really blown me away as of recent. They started really good. They were playing well uh, around that turn with the Maui Invitational, playing some really good big teams and winning. Uh, Arizona, like you said, not very convincing. But overall, I, I don't think it's just a horrible spot right now. I think there's still some room to improve for this Vols team. So I can see them sliding back up to about that 7 or 6 towards the end of it. Yeah, so here's what I don't understand. When you look at just solely in conference play, because I think Tennessee is one of the best out-of-conference schedules at anyone mm-hmm. in the country, one of the strongest strengths of schedules. Um, but if you just look at conference play, Arizona, who's slotted ahead of Tennessee, uh, losses at Stanford, losses at Washington State, and losses at Oregon State. Those are three unranked teams, and none of them are near the, the NCAA tournament um, bubble either. So those are three bad losses in your own conference. You look at Kansas. We just saw them last night suffer another loss Mm. on the road against Kansas State, a team that's on the fringe of getting in the tournament, needed a big win last night. They get it. Um, They also lose at Iowa State, which is a good team. I understand that. But you have losses to West Virginia and UCF, uh, two bottom four teams in the Big 12. So I don't understand how they're above them, um, uh, above Tennessee there. I do understand they have the head-to-head win back in Maui, Um, but when you look at what they've done recently, uh, you know, I think Tennessee should be at least given the benefit of the doubt that they've only lost one game to Mississippi State on the road and against a South Carolina team that's on the rise. Um, They've handled business in their other road opponents, Georgia, Vanderbilt, Kentucky this weekend. Um, So if you look at the three teams in that realm, uh, Arizona, Kansas, Tennessee, Tennessee has handled business and conference play more mm-hmm. than those teams have. So uh, I'm a little bit shocked by it. I- I'm surprised that a, a, a you know, uh, we did this a couple weeks ago where Tennessee was the number one two seed and the fifth ranked overall team. And now a loss to South Carolina totally, uh, you know, knocks that off the rails. I, I don't really uh, totally understand that. Um, and I think it's a little unfair to see them drop to the lowest two seed, especially after what they did. This weekend, not many teams in the country could go into Rupp Arena, put up 103 points, and win in a wire-to-wire victory. Um, So, yeah, I I think it's a little bit unfair. Um, Now let's do a little bit of a hypothetical bracketology here. I'm not a hypothetical guy, but we're going to do it here for the content. Um, In the bracket that uh, Lenardi slated the Vols, you have Purdue as the number one seed. 8-9, Eight and nine, uh, St. Mary's and Ole Miss. Uh, Ole Miss, a team we've already seen this year once and mm-hmm. handled pretty easily. Uh, at the five seed, San Diego State, a team that was in the Final Four last year. Um, UC Irvine, number four, Iowa State, that got a big win over Kansas last week. Um, Louisiana Tech, uh, I honestly do not know much about them. Uh, but you got Oklahoma as well at that sixth seed, who started off the year really hot, has kind of uh, hit a speed bump as of late, has struggled. Um, Duke is back in that bracket as well. Um, The opportunity to play Duke in the Sweet 16 would be an interesting matchup after last year. Um, And then the the winner of the Texas Tech-Virginia game would most likely play Tennessee if they were able to beat Drexel. 
Um, so hypothetically, um, what stands out about the Vols' possible path with what we uh, have in front of us? Well, it's similar to what we talked about a couple weeks ago. Rematches are the first thing that stuck mm. out to me. Yeah. Uh, you know, rematch with Duke in the Sweet 16, and then whatever team comes out the other side of that part of the bracket, whether that's Ole Miss or Purdue. Uh, so you, you get to play Duke again, which this Duke team is not much different personnel-wise than it was when we no. played them in the tournament mm-hmm. last year. Uh, and this Tennessee team is not a whole lot different than it was personnel-wise. This is a bunch of players that know each other. Now, yeah, Dalton connected into the mix. I don't know what that does. Uh, obviously, we, we saw Tennessee handle Duke in the, in the round of 32 last year. Uh, that's interesting. A rematch with Purdue from Maui. I think we're playing a lot better basketball now. I think that, that's pretty obvious than we mm-hmm. were playing in that tournament. Um, and we gave them a run a couple times in that game. So I, I love the rematches. Uh, I think it's kind of it's interesting. You know, do you want a team to see you again? Do you want to approach it from? Well, we'd like to see them again and get another chance at them. Um, so that's really cool. It's not a really bad path to the Sweet Sixteen. No. Uh, Drexel is nothing special. They're not one of the lower seeds that you're like, well, and you know, they're not a sixteen where. where you're thinking of a fairly Dickinson situation from mm-hmm. last year where Purdue goes down in the first round. Uh, but then you get Texas Tech, which is not, again, not a really special team. And they're a good team, good offensively, but not a team that I think would uh, hamper Tennessee at all. No. Um, so it's not a horrible path to Sweet 16. And then you get Purdue if they get there. Now remember, Purdue, recent uh, tournament struggles. Yeah. Not able to, to get the distance, especially not as a one seed. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really it's really not a hard path. It's a lot easier than the one we saw a couple weeks back. I think I'd still rather have Houston as the one seed mm-hmm. in, the, in the region if you're not going to be the one seed yourself. Uh, I think the Vols match up better against Houston than they do against Purdue. Um, but other than that, I mean, I think it's pretty easy, hypothetically, at least. Yeah, on on at least our side of the bracket, getting to that Elite Eight, I think so. I mean, uh, I I think I remember this, that year that UMBC beat Virginia as the one seed, the next year, didn't they go and win it all? Yes, they did. So I I think that's sort of something to maybe look out for, that this Purdue team might be out uh, for blood this year. Just on the other side, I just completely thought of that right there. But uh, interesting that we're having a a national runner-up on the other side as well. They're probably, uh, if they can make it out of their little uh, square with Iowa State to the Sweet 16, uh, getting a hand at either Purdue or Ole Miss. I feel uh, like that could be an interesting matchup just because they're so dynamic on the defensive side of the ball. They can force anybody to play their game. Um, Duke is by far the most eye-opening one just because of uh, the history now, I guess, that you could call it from last year. I mean, you take out Eurosh and in, in Kamwa, but Duke keeps everybody. We get Dalton Connect to uh, revamp that offense. I find that really intriguing. Uh, and I also like that Virginia Texas Tech national title uh, repeat, I guess, from that year that Virginia went and won. Uh, so there could be some fun in that one, but uh, not too worried about this side of the bracket, uh, at least until we you get to like the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight. So y'all talked about how you know how Purdue has struggled as of late. Two of their last three seasons, they've made it to the tournament. They've been bouncing the first round. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, um, you know they've just been some just upsets. It's just what March Madness is. Mm-hmm. Um, but you de- definitely do have to question, you know, their ability to once they make it to the tournament, are they able to win those big games? Last year they were number the number one overall seed, and they couldn't even get by Fairleigh Dickinson with a team that only had their tallest guy at six four. Um, so, um, Purdue, I think, will bounce back this year. They'll be a little bit different in the tournament. Um, so, that's obviously, in this hypothetical situation, a team you're going to have to watch out for. Um, I think they would beat Ole Miss. 
Um, I think they would probably advance to the Elite Eight where you'd have to match up against them. Um, But looking at the block where you have Oklahoma, Grand Canyon, Duke, Texas Tech, Virginia, uh, Virginia last night. I don't know if y'all saw. Virginia beat the crap out of Miami. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, they kind of held them to like under forty or something. Yeah, uh, like that. well, they had twenty. Miami had twenty-five points with uh, about eight minutes left. Yo, any any man. defensive performance like that is good. And yeah. obviously, Tony Bennett's a great coach. Um, so anytime a team like that that's well coached gets in the tournament, they can always find their way. Um, Texas Tech's, I think, a little bit over evaluated. Um, I've watched them a, a fair amount of times this year. Have not been impressed. Um, I think that your biggest games or biggest teams to look out for would be a Duke-Oklahoma, um, the winner of that game. Because, um, look, a, a rematch with Duke with that same team, really, uh, you know, they've still got Roach, still got Filipowski. Uh, uh, Proctor's been a big player for them this year. They've got a lot of guys that can make some plays, um, even though they lost on Saturday against North Carolina. It's not a team I want to face. Um, so I think in this little quad, I think Purdue, you're still going to have to – match up with if you want to make it to the the final four but also the Oklahoma and Duke matchup I think could cause some problems as well but overall I don't think it's that bad of a of a of a region um I you know you mentioned Houston as being your preferred number one seed um the only thing that scares me about Houston is how good they are defensively um and you know obviously we've seen a different version of Tennessee offensively this year um, but just in the back of your head, you have to think that a really good defensive team like Houston could make it seem like uh, Tennessee hasn't been playing that well offensively all year, you know. Um, so that's that's one thing I am worried about. It, out of all the one seeds, I guess right now, so you had Purdue, uh, Purdue, UConn, Houston, North Carolina. Would Houston be you guys? All, I think so. it, For me, it's more – after watching the Kansas game, when Kansas got out to an 8-10, 12-point lead, Houston had no answer. They, they're not good enough offensively to hang in a game like that. So if Tennessee's offense gets a start like they did against Kentucky, against Houston, you can borderline put the game away. Mm-hmm. Their, their whole focus is defense. If you get them in a double-digit hole, they, they cannot come. They have not shown yet that they can dig out of that hole. That's, that's why I would mm-hmm. like Houston instead yeah. of a – Purdue that very clearly can dig out of a double-digit hole and win yeah. games. And uh, it feels like the the rest of those one seeds have an identity, at least on offense. Like Purdue, you've got uh, Edie, who, who you can just run pick-and-rolls with, and it worked really well against Northwestern, even though they took it to the limit. North Carolina's got R.J. Davis playing out of his mind right now and still have Armando Baycott. UConn's been UConn all year. I mean, they're spreading the ball around. They're putting the ball in the basket for the most part and really haven't looked very stoppable at all this year, and Houston's just sort of a liability on the offensive side well i think when you look at those four three of them have a dominant big man presence you've got uh, Edie with purdue clinigan for uconn baycott for north carolina and so far this season in tennessee's losses you've seen a a star big man kind of put them in a tough situation whether it be in foul trouble or just just bodying the glass um and i think that's one reason why tennessee was able to do so well against kentucky the other night because they're their stars are around the perimeter and around the wing, um, less so down low where they get a, they don't get as much production. So, um, again, in the tournament, I'm looking for teams for Tennessee to play and match up against that don't have that dominant big man presence or don't go through their big man uh, for a lot of their production offensively. I think if, if Tennessee were to get a, a, a matchup with a team like a Purdue or a North Carolina, uh, just a dominant big, that screams trouble for me. Haven't haven't seen that this year. Um, I thought the Kentucky game, however, proved that 
hey, we can bounce back from a bad performance. And, and one thing I still want to see is bouncing back from a bad half or a bad stretch. Um, but I think that bouncing back from a bad stretch and also facing a dominant uh, a post-presence and being able to defend that correctly, staying out of foul trouble, are the two things I'm still looking for from this Tennessee team. Um, so will the Vols be able to catch up and possibly nab a one seed as we continue the regular season? Well, it depends on the rest of conference play. I mean, you still got to take care of business in some of these games against mid-conference teams, and you got to win some big games. You still got to play at home against Kentucky, at home against Auburn. You got to play at Alabama, I believe, still. Uh, you got to play uh, SC again on, on home court, or you're away maybe mm-hmm. in Columbia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yep. So, you know, you still have some big games left, some tough games left. You win some of those, I think you could pretty easily jump back at least into the conversation mm-hmm. uh, but it, it depends on the other teams as well it's going to depend on you know does Purdue slip up again and lose another game in Big Ten play you know, does Houston lose another game in conference play does Kansas lose a few more games in conference play uh, you got to look at the teams around you too you can do all you want but if those other teams hold serve you're probably not going to go above a two at this mm-hmm. point yeah um, but you know, you just take care of your own business. That's first and foremost. Win games. Don't lose games like you did on on Tuesday against mm-hmm. South Carolina. Uh, take care of your business, and, and uh, hopefully the rest shakes out. You get a couple lucky losses from teams mm-hmm. above you, and you can jump back into that conversation. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, it, it really does start off with winning the rest of these uh, SEC games, at least the reasonable ones. I mean, there's a couple tough ones, like you said. South Carolina on the road is going to be tough. A&M on the road this upcoming yeah. weekend is going to be a tough one. Uh, but, you know, taking care of business like midweek this week, LSU tomorrow, you got to take care of that, uh, and you got to handle business. And then besides that, sorry, I didn't mean to say business <laughs> instead of business. Had, had the twang come out but uh yeah you really do have to rely on some of these other teams to slip up here and there i think one like you said william was arizona they've been slipping up to not so great teams uh houston and kansas are teams that can just trade losses with each other as well as uh the rest of the big 12 who seem to always be beating each other every year north carolina they have a a home game tonight against Clemson, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Clemson's been playing really good on the road, really causing some ruckus. Uh, not so much winning those games, but uh, taking these teams to the limit. So, I mean, if Tennessee can take care of business and uh, the rest of them, you know, things pan out, there's a chance. I, I, I wouldn't put my money on it, but I think there is a chance. Yeah, I think you put it perfectly. you got to stay on business. And, um, <laughs> you know, I, I, um, and that's exactly what Tennessee has to do. You can only con- control what you can control. Um, and that is the rest of your season. Um, and, and some we talked about last week when we kind of took a peek at the, end, the the rest of the regular season was the end of the season slate where you got South Carolina, Kentucky, Alabama, um, Auburn. That's a really tough chunk of games. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, this weekend starts the A&M Arkansas back-to-back on the road games. Those are ones that you've got to win or at least split in this Arkansas-Texas A&M one um, because, look, you know, Last night, Kansas goes down. That's an opportunity for you to now win out this week and take that next step. So, um, it, yeah, you got to stand on stand on business and control what you can control. Um, and for the other teams, just have to hope they, they they slip up. And college basketball this season, I think, over the last couple of years, has gotten even more competitive with mm. all these. Uh, players now having the opportunity to move around and, and, and teams are having the ability to reload. There are a lot of really good teams, a lot of really good players. And it, it's any given night now where a team could slip up on the road. We saw it last night. We saw it this weekend. Um, it, it, it's just what college basketball is now. So there's always an opportunity, and you have to make sure you're handling your business to make sure that you are not dropping down and, and giving the other teams opportunities to move up in front of you as well. 
All right, when we come back, we'll talk about Rodney Gardner possibly getting poached to the Auburn Tigers. We'll be right back here on Overtime. Making a better vodka soda ain't rocket science. You just got to start with a better vodka. And then voila, you get White Claw vodka soda. Your taste buds are about to get a PhD in deliciousness. JB Smooth only drinks vodka soda made with the world's smoothest vodka. Try the all-new White Claw vodka soda. Pick up a variety pack of their four delicious flavors. Only 100 calories, 4.5% alcohol, and 2 grams of sugar. White Claw Vodka Soda. Please drink responsibly. Are you ready to elevate your driving experience? Then you need to head over to your hometown dealership, Parkside Kia, home of the lifetime warranty. Discover the latest Kia cars and SUVs where technology meets style. Our friendly staff is here to make your car buying experience a breeze. Don't wait. Visit Parkside Kia today and drive home in the Kia of your dreams. Check them out online at parksidekia.com and visit their showroom at 9929 Parkside Drive. Parkside Kia, where your journey begins. Rogers Utility Solutions, a division of Rogers Hydrant Service, is a family-run Tennessee-based business since 2015. Now serving municipalities and residences in 14 states, Rogers offers fire hydrant flow testing, distribution flushing, and maintenance programs in accordance with ISO standards. Rogers also offers hydrant repair and installation, and they have the capability of repairing hydrants under pressure. For more information on Rogers' new sewer maintenance program, complete with mapping, cleaning, and camera inspecting, visit rogershydrantservice.com. Ever been the coach who realized the team's gear just wasn't up to par? Well, if I'm being honest, that was me. Just a downright irresponsible and plain bad coach. Then, SM Athletics changed the game. I want you to picture this. I walk into their store, a coach with a vision. SM Athletics didn't just see a coach. They saw a team's potential. And they delivered custom uniforms so striking. Our team's spirit soared. From cutting-edge apparel to top-notch equipment, SM Athletics transformed our presence. No more unreliable online orders or envying the other team's style. SM Athletics stands for quality, design, and on-time delivery every time. Coaches, elevate your team with SM Athletics. Call 865 966-3434 or visit smathletics.com. Get the best for your team. Delivered right and on time. So, elevate your team's game by contacting SM Athletics today. They are our love bugs and companions. They are our pets, our family, and they make life better. When we face unexpected challenges, so do our pets. That's why we're on a mission to support people and their pets. Whether donating a bag of kibble, sharing an Instagram post of a lost cat, or welcoming a foster pet into your home, every bit of kindness counts. Visit petsandpeopletogether.org to learn how to be a helper in your community. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council. Back here on Overtime on a Tuesday night. Thank you so much for joining us live from Knoxville, Tennessee. Um, look, let's talk about the Auburn Tigers. They're in need of a new defensive line coach after Jeremy Garrett uh, left last week to become the new defensive line coach for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And one potential option to replace Garrett um, is Tennessee Vols defensive line coach Rodney Gardner, who is by far one of the best guys coaching wise on that defense he's done a really great job 
um, you know, probably a better job than some of the other guys above him. Um, but he played at Auburn, was an assistant at his alma mater from 1990 to 1995, and again in 2013 to 2020. Um, he was also college teammates uh, with Auburn's co-defensive coordinator, Charles Kelly. Um, VolQuest Austin Price joined 104.5 The Zone in Nashville today and said, at this time, I don't see any movement with Tennessee's coaching staff. Now, Auburn doesn't have a defensive line coach. A lot of people have asked about Ronnie Garner. I believe people at Auburn have reached out to Garner, but at this time, I do not believe he will leave. Um, Will Garner leave for the Plains, guys, do you think? I I doubt it. I don't see it happening. He's made a name for himself in Knoxville. The people Mm -hmm. here love him. Uh, He's really etched out his spot on the coaching staff, uh, become a a huge figure for those guys on that defense as well, Uh, a role model, uh, you know, a coach that has elevated a defense that last year talent-wise was not as good as I think it ended up playing. Uh, but he's, you know, he's moved his family here now. There's not really a reason for him to jump ship uh, at this point. He's got a couple new waves of recruits coming in next year's mm-hmm. class, and the front seven is excellent again. Uh, he's going to have a really talented unit next year, so I don't see a reason to leave. It'd be a lateral move. I mean, you're going mm-hmm. to the same job. Yeah. Uh, it's not like you're elevating your status to defensive coordinator uh, or even you know just a little bit higher than you are now. You're going mm-hmm. to the same exact position for a team that, again, no shade to Hugh Freeze, is behind Tennessee in the rebuilding process. Tennessee yeah. is going to be a national contender in 2024. That's well known. Auburn is still on that, well, they could win some big games, but they're still in the building process, so mm-hmm. you just turn the clock back again. Uh, you stay with a contender in Tennessee, I, I just don't see a reason to do that. Now, it is his alma mater. Uh, he does have connections on the staff, so I could see him at least listening, uh, but I don't see him going anywhere, not right now. Yeah, I also don't see him going anywhere. Pretty much what you said, I mean, he's really built a foundation in this defense. I mean, I, I think uh, he's by that defensive line has by far been the standout group for that defense over these last couple of years under Heupel. Uh So I, I don't really see him moving, uh, especially, like you said, with these recruits coming. I mean, you get a top 10 guy like Jordan Ross coming in, why would you leave that on the table for anybody else? Right. And, I mean, you're returning guys like James Pierce Jr. who are uh, talked about being uh, first-round picks and Mike could elevate him uh, even more this offseason and, can, like you said, can contend for a national title spot sometime uh, in the near future. So uh, even though, like you said, it is still his alma mater, uh, it's just a worse situation right now. You're, pretty, you're in a pretty solid spot right now. Everybody there trusts you, uh, and everybody knows what you can do and what you're doing so I, I really wouldn't see him moving at all yeah I, I'd have a hard time believing it as well I think he's instilled a lot of success here um, he's got a great complexion of, of guys a mix of veterans a mix of a lot of new talented newcomers as well mm. um, and I think he likes it here you know he's been here for four years uh, approaching his fourth year here um, and I think he's garnered the respect of the coaching staff of the fan base of the players um, I understand that he played at Auburn, and there's a connection there. Um, and and I, I wouldn't totally rule out the the opportunity for him to go there. But I think what he's got at Tennessee is really as good or, or better um, than he's got at Auburn. You know, uh, Auburn's got a new coach; they're still figuring things out. Tennessee is likely competing for a college football playoff cha- opportunity this year. And you've gotten your guys back. Omari Thomas returns. Um, you've got a couple of guys like uh, Bryson Eason returning. To some, mm. And then you've also uh, brought in some guys to the portal as well. Um, so I, I think that 
He's got everything right in front of him. I don't understand why he would move. Now, I know this is not necessarily um, a, a – it's more of a rumor uh, more than a report or anything that he's been involved with talking to Auburn. Um, but still, I think it's worth talking about because he's such a big piece to that Tennessee defense. And um, that Tennessee defensive line has been um, one of the strongest suits of that team uh, and, and that unit over the last couple of years. I mean mm-hmm. – the, the secondary might be hard to watch at times, but the defensive line always plugs those holes and does a really good job. So I think that is a, a direct credit of Gardner as well, and I don't think there's really a better opportunity than being a defensive line coach at Tennessee compared to Auburn. Um, but if Garner were to leave, how big of a hit would the Vols take defensively? It's, it's massive. Uh, I, I'd argue he's the best coach on the defensive side of the ball yeah. in Tennessee right now. Um, just the impact that he's had developing players. Uh, James Pierce is probably going to be a first-round NFL draft pick uh, after next year because of the development of, of Rodney Garner and the scheme he brought in. Uh, and, you know, uh, Josh Josephs as well has developed well. Yes. He's got several guys that are going to be coming off the edge next year, two, three deep, uh, that he is working to develop and making them into you know better players overnight. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, James Pierce mm-hmm. went from, we're not really sure who this guy is, to one of the most feared pass rushers in college football yeah. in the span of a year. Uh, and I, it speaks to his development traits. Uh, you're not going to find a coach like that anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you, know, you can't just go out and, and pluck another one uh, that fits the system, uh, that has the impact that he does, that has the ability to develop players like he does. So it would leave a huge hole. Uh, it would also lose uh, an ambassador for the program, a recruiting right. loss as well, yeah. huge recruiting loss. Um I mean, a lot of these guys, even Jordan Ross, all the pictures they take with Heupel, there's Rodney Garner. Yeah, he's exactly. there with him, um, and, and he's been such a huge part of getting that that unit to be as good as it is in terms of the recruits he brings in. Uh, he is as, as directly as involved as, as Josh Heupel is in bringing yeah. those guys in. Mm-hmm. Um, so you lose his development, you also lose his recruiting, uh, and everything takes a step back. It would be a huge, huge loss. Yeah, huge deficit. I mean, a little bit biased here. I, I think just with uh, what he what he was given and what he's uh, brought to the table and changed about that defensive line room. I think he uh, I think he is the best defensive line coach in the country right now, uh, and I'm not sure if there's too many to, that can compete with that. So taking him out of the mix, like you said, just on the recruiting side of things is huge because, I mean, you're bringing in top ten guys, you're bringing in five-star guys, high four-star blue-chip type guys, and – you're just leaving that on the table. I mean, it, it, w- it would be such a huge hit. Uh, and then that'd leave a question mark for you because, I mean, are there really any other notable names that would be willing to – or, of course, names would be willing to come. But, I mean, who are you going to be able to pry out of their deals already uh, unless you're going to be reaching down a level? So, I mean, uh, I, I, again, I think this is the most consistent defensive group on the team since uh, Heupel has taken over and under Banks. So, I mean, uh, just with that consistent high level of play that we've seen so far from that unit, I think it would be detrimental to that defense. Yeah, I think it would be a huge hit because, you know, as I just talked about, you know, it's been one of the most consistent um, portions of the unit over the last couple seasons. And um, you return a ton of big time players. I think bringing back Omari Thomas was one of the biggest uh, returns of the season. Mm -hmm. And also bringing in these, these big time guys off the edge like James Pierce and like Jordan Ross. These guys are impact players that will well, could very well change a game. We saw James Pierce change a couple of games this year because of the pressure he was able to put on some of the uh, opposing teams. So um, definitely I think it would take a huge hit. And then if he were to leave at this time right now, 
um, then that sends you into, okay, well, now we've got to go find a new coach. And this is right now, you know, where you're in spring camp, working up to the spring game, mm-hmm. trying to figure out, you know, who works, who doesn't work. If you need to bring anyone else in at the next transfer portal uh, opportunity, this is a big evaluation period. And losing one of your best minds on the defensive side of the ball um, would be a huge hit. So um, I, I think it would it would definitely leave a mark on that defense, and let's hope uh, that has not happened. So four years into his tenure, Garner has molded his unit into a strength of the volunteers, combining a mix of veterans and talented newcomers. How important is the Vols defensive line this season um, and, and to their success? It's important, but I don't think it's as important as the secondary. Uh, we, we know what the defensive line is bringing to the table already. Mm. Uh, I think the secondary is probably the more important group that they get going um, because we saw what happens when they don't uh, over the last couple of years. Uh, but they're, we know they're going to be fierce. We know they're going to be on the quarterback. Uh, we know we have a bunch of guys coming in as well that are going to make instant impact. Uh, the issue for me is going to be stopping the run. I think that's something they struggled with at times last season. Uh, in certain games, they did a good job. Like the Texas A&M game was very good, but then in other games, like you know, Alabama gashed you a few times in that game. Um, a couple other teams just gashed you just ran for big yards i mean trevor Etienne ran for mm-hmm. a ton of yards yeah, on yeah. the tennessee defense in gainesville um that's that's going to be uh the big one for me stop the run um but keep keep the pressure up and, and make the uh make the offense make the opposing offense throw the ball and let your secondary go make plays uh and that'll make for a very successful unit now for me it also will be interesting to see uh, what role the newcomers play i'm curious to see how many meaningful snaps guys like jordan ross will get mm-hmm. uh, i hope they get a lot of snaps i hope it works out for them early uh, i think jordan ross is going to be a great player at the college level uh, but it'll be interesting to see where he and, and jackson moy and some others uh, fit into the system how many snaps they get i think that'll contribute to the success as well yeah i, I think this might be the i guess out of the group the second of the three uh second most important behind the dbs of course uh, I, I think this uh unit can really take the pressure off those DBs, providing pressure, uh, putting offenses in uncomfortable situations uh, and letting the younger guys and new transfers in uh, kind of feel them feel themselves out of uh, what could be a not-so-pretty year once again. But, I mean, there's plenty of uh, talent in that uh, defensive secondary room. It's just it feels like they haven't really been developing under Coach Martinez. Uh, that might also be something to talk about. But, uh, yeah, I, I still think that this D-line is very important. Like you said, Dawson, stopping the run. I mean, there was a, some, out, there was one point where it was uh, the SEC's best uh, rush defense, and then, like, the next week – it was either Missouri or somebody like that ran all over us, and it really took us out of that conversation as being an elite run-stopping defense. So I think that's something to hone in on. But I think if they can take the pressure off in the passing game off the DBs, I think they can make a really big impact on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, I think the uh, once again the strongest unit on the on the defense has been the defensive line. So them continuing to put that pressure on opposing quarterbacks and opposing offenses I think is really key, especially if you have a questionable secondary. Um, You've got to be able to put pressure on them early so that they're already rattled and having to make very quick decisions. Um, So I think early on in this season the defensive line will be um, very important, and and really the linebacking group as well, those guys inside the box. um, Because you know when you've got guys that are coming in through the portal that are going to have to plug holes in, in the – secondary it can be very hit or miss the portals hit or miss you know some guys translate really well some guys don't 
Um, so you've got to rely on the guys you know that work, and that's right now in your linebacking group and your defensive line. You've got to rely on them early in the season uh, so you can figure out what you have in that secondary. And as the year goes on, it can be more of a balance. But I think early season pressure will be something that I'm looking for um, because a lot of these guys returning are veterans, have been there before. Um, I- I'd love to see Josephs get more run this year, and I think he mm-hmm. will have the opportunity to. Um, obviously, James Pierce will be the guy everyone's keying in on, but that now allows the opportunity for a couple other guys like a Joseph, like an Omari Thomas, to get a better matchup now and be able to um, execute a little bit better with so much pressure and so much attention put to James Pierce. So um, I, I think the defensive line is a huge, huge point of emphasis in, in the Vol success this season especially with some really good quarterbacks and a couple inexperienced quarterbacks that you'll face early in the season, like the trip to Norman, uh, likely a, a fresh red, or I guess a redshirt freshman. Yeah. Former, Jackson Arnold. Yeah, Jackson yeah. Arnold, uh, former five-star. He's a really talented guy, very similar to Nico. Yeah. Uh, but you've got to put that pressure on him early in that first big SEC matchup for him to set the tone. And I think you'll have the opportunity a couple more times throughout the season against Kentucky to play a quarterback that hasn't uh, been the starter there for multiple years. Um, Alabama will most likely still have Milrow, but containing a guy like Milrow is something that falls on those guys in the box. So um, I think every game you can point to where the defensive line has to be a big impact, especially early in the season. So I think uh, it's very important, very important to the Vol success. And we come get, when, excuse me, when we come back, we'll give our best bets here on overtime. Stay right here. White Claw is taking hard seltzer to new heights with White Claw Surge. At 8% alcohol, White Claw Surge is a stronger wave of refreshment that doesn't compromise on taste. Available in four bold waves of flavor like ripe blackberry, citrusy blood orange, zesty natural lime, and tart cranberry. Check out your favorite retailer in-store and online for the White Claw Surge Variety 12-pack and 16-ounce single-serve cans. White Claw Surge, please drink responsibly. Is your home's exterior in need of a makeover? If so, it's time to call North Knox Siding and Windows. Transform your home's curb appeal with premium siding options. From classic to modern styles, they've got something to suit every taste. Upgrade to energy-efficient windows that'll keep your home comfortable all year round while saving you money on your energy bills. North Knox Siding and Windows. Get ready to fall in love with your home all over again. Online at northknoxsidingandwindows.com. Are you ready to elevate your driving experience? Then you need to head over to your hometown dealership, Parkside Kia, home of the lifetime warranty. Discover the latest Kia cars and SUVs where technology meets style. Our friendly staff is here to make your car buying experience a breeze. Don't wait. Visit Parkside Kia today and drive home in the Kia of your dreams. Check them out online at parksidekia.com and visit their showroom at 9929 Parkside Drive. Parkside Kia, where your journey begins. Are you tired of looking at that piece of furniture that is wore down but you don't want to get rid of it? Go see our friends at Sun Upholstery and Fabric. Locally and family owned and operated with over 67 years of combined experience. Located at 8913 Oak Ridge Highway, give them a call today at 865-237-3272 or visit them online at fabricsun.com. That's fabricsun.com and be sure to tell Stan that you heard about him right here on Fan Run Radio. Are you ready to make your dream home a reality? Hi, I'm Bo Kregner and here at the Kregner Group at Realty Executives, we know that finding the perfect home is more than just a transaction. It's about finding your sanctuary. 
your future, your happiness. Our team is dedicated to guiding you every step of the way, ensuring a smooth and stress-free journey towards home ownership. Whether you're buying, selling, or investing, we're here to help. Call me anytime at 865-742-1035 or just visit us online at bonoshouses.com. Rogers Utility Solutions, a division of Rogers Hydrant Service, is a family-run Tennessee-based business since 2015. Now serving municipalities and residences in 14 states, Rogers offers fire hydrant flow testing, distribution flushing, and maintenance programs in accordance with ISO standards. Rogers also offers hydrant repair and installation, and they have the capability of repairing hydrants under pressure. For more information on Rogers new sewer maintenance program complete with mapping cleaning and camera inspecting visit rogershydrantservice.com Back here on Overtime, time for our best bets, your favorite segment of the show. Uh, I'll begin. This game just tipped off. You can probably get it at similar odds. Um, South Carolina minus three and a half. This team has been red hot as of late. Um, Rebels are a higher scoring team than South Carolina, um, but they're also allowing 72 points per game. South Carolina is returning back home after a big win against Georgia on the road where they were able to outlast the dogs and hold them to – uh, zero points in seven minutes of, uh, of basketball, no field goals made. Um, this team, I-, I think, is still undervalued on the markets, and I'm going to take them until they adjust. Uh, South Carolina minus three and a half. Well, I had that one too, so I'll skip it. I'll move on to my second one and find another one here on the fly uh, in a little bit. But my second one was Oklahoma minus one and a half tonight, home against BYU. It's mm. an Oklahoma team that is struggling as of late, came out of the gate extremely hot, was top 10 early in the year, and has just fallen off a cliff. A few. Uh, really bad uh, losses in the conference play, just struggling. Uh, tonight an opportunity on home court to get it back together against a ranked BYU team. I think this could be a win that rights the ship a little bit for them. Uh, I, I love the minus one-and-a-half number. It's so hard to win on the road in college basketball. So uh, Oklahoma, I'd like them to defend home court, minus one-and-a-half for me. I also had South Carolina minus three-and-a-half against Ole Miss, uh, so I will also skip that one. Uh, I'll go to another uh, college game that I had. I had number 14 Iowa State's money line at Texas. Uh, Cyclones uh, took Baylor to the limit on the road in their last game but couldn't pull it out. Uh, But they've been playing really well. Uh, Keyshawn Gilbert has been hot for these last few games. I think he's averaging just about 20 over these last five or so. Uh, So I I look to see him uh, continue improving. Texas has had a really up-and-down year. You'll see them win a big one, uh, then lose a game that they shouldn't lose. So uh, not that this is one that they shouldn't lose, but I think Iowa State just comes in, uh, causes a little bit of ruckus. Okay, my next one is Texas Moneyline facing off against Mm. Iowa State tonight. And Texas (laughs) has been one of these teams that is so hard to cap for me. Um, I've I've faded them a couple times. I've bet on them a couple times. Um, I'm just taking the money line here tonight because I think it is hard to win on the road. Um, Max Amos, transfer from Oral Roberts, has been incredible. Um, Texas has built an excellent shooting offense around them, uh, ranking 22nd nationally in offensive efficiency. 
and shooting a, a stellar 38% behind the arc. Um, that's top tw- top 25 in college basketball. Um, their defense is hot and cold, and really this team is hot and cold. The problem backing Texas is you never know what team's going to show up. A big win against TCU on the road. Iowa State coming off a heartbreaker. I feel like Texas is able to get it done at home here. I'm taking the money line on a small, uh, I think it's minus 140 was the number. Um, I don't even want to worry about the points. Just win the damn game. Texas money line <laughs> minus 140. Well, fair enough. To the NBA, I go Thunder minus three and a half on the road at the Utah Jazz tonight. Uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander and that team playing incredible basketball this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's his biggest year for sure. They now head to a Jazz team that has given up 125 points per game in their last 10, four and six. Uh, just not playing the best. Uh, coming off a few straight wins, but you know it, the Thunder are just playing so well. Playing like a top Western mm-hmm. Conference team, uh, minus three and a half should be uh, very achievable tonight on the road to help solidify them as a contender in that West. I'll stay with the NCAA basketball here before I go to my third one with the NBA. I will take UNC at home minus six and a half against Clemson. I talked about it earlier. Clemson's had some really weird close games on the road in conference. Uh, I don't really think they've been able to overcome that hump. Uh, I feel like this North Carolina team uh, can really handle business tonight. I think six and a half sort of like a gimme almost, especially at home uh, with how they've been playing as of recent. I think RJ Davis and Armando Baycott uh, continue to roll here. I think they take it to the Tigers tonight at home. All right, those are our best bets. Do you have any more? Uh, yeah, go ahead. I, uh, yeah, one more for me on the fly since I skipped South Carolina. Uh, I'm going to go back to the homer pick uh, and, and scramble a little bit. Suns minus four and a half at home tonight All against right. the Milwaukee Bucks. <laughs> um, shooting for the fence, uh, swinging for the fence because uh, the Suns team just had their best offensive performance probably of the year against the Wizards. And yeah, mm-hmm. it's a bad Wizards team, but uh, it really came together. Bradley Bill, his best performance for for Phoenix by far, uh, and it's not close. Uh, they come now home to play a rematch of the 2021 Finals against the Milwaukee Bucks, the yep. number three team now in the Eastern Conference. It's a huge spot at home in Phoenix for for the Suns tonight, a statement game uh, where they can say, all right, well, we're, we're, you know, we're back as contenders again. Uh, you know, Maybe we have to go get a couple more pieces, but we can at least win these big regular season games. Mm-hmm. Uh, g- give me my Phoenix Suns tonight, minus four and a half. I've also got one in the NBA. This one's, uh, I feel like this one is another gimme for me at least. Uh, Timberwolves on the road at the Bulls. I've got them minus five and a half. Uh, the Bulls have dropped their last two home games that they've had, uh, and the T-Wolves, of course, have been uh, pretty stellar so far this year, still s- sitting sitting atop, Jesus, sitting atop the Western Conference. I, I think they continue to do that uh, as the Bulls are still trying to figure out what they're going to do with the trade deadline, trying to ship people out of there. So uh, I think the T-Wolves will once again roll uh, over the Bulls. All right, quick, quick whip around real quick. South Carolina minus 3.5, Texas money line for me. Dawson? All right, South Carolina minus three and a half, Oklahoma minus one and a half, and Thunder minus three and a half. We'll we'll skip the homer pick for now. Yeah, I I had I also had South Carolina minus three and a half. I'll do uh, North Carolina minus six and a half, Timberwolves minus five and a half, and Iowa State money line. All right, those are our best bets live here on overtime. All right, let's uh let's dabble in something real quick. Something we talked about a couple times last <laughs> week, um, and I guess the the story wants to continue to follow us. Um, Gerald Mincy former Tennessee offensive lineman, as we know, transferred to Kentucky. Um, He's been upset that the fans did not follow him to Kentucky and and, and embrace it. Um, Kind of hard to believe that he he thought that the fan base would follow him to a a rival. Um, But anyhow, um, he has been very outspoken multiple times 
about uh, his his prior Tennessee teammates, calling them jits, and um, also <laughs> talking about the November second date. Um, but Mincy recently met with reporters at Kentucky, and he appeared to throw some more shade at the offense that he played for in two seasons at Tennessee, saying, "Quote." I don't have to run hurry up anymore, so I won't be out of breath, said Mincy when asked about the difference in offenses. Quote, but I like this offense. It's getting me ready for the NFL, when talking about Kentucky's offense. Um, Using NFL terminology, more of a pro-style offense. I can really show my versatility with outside zone, inside zone, instead of just what we did at Tennessee, which was just insert and hurry up offense. Um, So, uh, another week, another day, another Gerald Mincy quote goes by. Uh, guys, your reaction? Oh, my goodness. Uh, th- this feels like uh, it's becoming a scenario of uh, he's thinking about us more than we're thinking about him. Uh, I think we stopped thinking about him after the first thing yeah. he said. Yeah. Uh, just said, all right, we're going to pin the date on the bulletin board, but you know, we're going to go back to thinking about you know something that we you know actually have to care about. Um, so. Uh, it, it's just it's frustrating because you want to like him and then he says something else and you're like, well, okay. Um, it, I, I don't get what he's saying either. Uh, I'm not sure I understand uh, the plug-and-play insert offense. Uh, I think you can go ahead and dispute that by just saying uh, Darnell Wright uh, yeah. it was in that same offense with him at the same time uh, and is already succeeding in a pro offense in Chicago. Uh, was the probably one of the bright spots, brighter spots anyway, of that Chicago offensive line. He's a mainstay now, uh, and he was more physically conditioned to play in the NFL, to play longer games, to play higher tempo because of the offense he played in at Tennessee. Uh, so to that, you know, well, this offense may not prepare him for the NFL as much. I say, well, it prepared Darnell Wright just fine, and he's doing very well at the NFL level. So I just I don't really get it. I haven't really gotten it any time he's said anything, but I really don't get this one. I feel like he's just talking to because he likes to hear his own voice or something like yeah. that. Because I mean, he's, he's just beating a dead horse at this point. I mean, uh, if you, if you really want to just go out and say that you're lazy, sure. I mean, I, I ran a, a very similar like high tempo offense in high school. It's really not that bad uh, if you just you know do it. It, it. It's really not that bad. You don't think about it. You're just going, 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 and plus it makes it easier for you. Uh, Scheme-wise, just play call-wise, you don't have to worry about too much. Uh, and you're, you're put in positions to win games, which is what you're there to do, not only to develop but to win games. So uh, I, I, th- I think it's just sort of a lousy excuse to say that you don't like running too much. Uh, and, you know, I mean, he got beat out for his job this year, so that, that's, that's not surprising to hear either, just trying to find a different excuse. I, I'm, I'm just really kind of uh, beyond it at this point. It, it, it feels like he's just talking to talk. Anytime there's a a breakup, whether it be in a relationship with a person or a a company, um, there's usually one person that does a little bit more talking after the breakup than the other. And the one that does the talking is usually the one that is most affected by the the breakup and um, upset about it and now wants to unleash his feelings to make sure that everyone knows that the other person uh, or the other company uh, wasn't good for them or or that they were the problem. But in actuality, saying all that is more of a confidence boost to help you kind of feel like you weren't the problem. But in this sense, it seems like Mincy might have been the problem and his play might have been the problem and might have been the reason he had to transfer out. Not that Kentucky was just so appealing, but more so he lost his starting job for Tennessee and now had to move on to another place. And there's no shame in that. 
there's no problem in losing a job and going somewhere else and finding a better situation. I'm not saying that, but you know, moving on can be done a, a, a better way than continuing to talk about your former team. Like, like you're, it's almost like he's obsessed with it. Um, and this is the what third time we've talked about him on this show mm-hmm. yeah. within the last two weeks. Two weeks. Hell, we gave him a whole segment. I thought that was enough. <laughs> um, so now we give him another segment, or another quick segment here. I guess, uh, I guess uh, he wants an NIL deal from us. Um, I guess well, Tennessee probably shouldn't be doing that these days. But um, um, <laughs> well. I, I think that Mincy continuing to talk about it just shows that he's clearly upset and probably wanted to stay here but got beat out and now has to live with the reality of, okay, I've got to go somewhere else and I've got to find a better situation that I can play in. Anything oh, to add? For the longest time, we had heard that there was a kind of a dispute internally between him and the coaching staff about where he wanted to play on the offensive line and where they saw him play, playing on the offensive line. Uh, either he wanted to play guard and they put him at tackle or, or the other way around, I can never remember. Uh, but there was always that dispute, and it sounds like now they, they just kind of got tired of it and said, you're either going to play here or you're going to go find another place to play. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once he left, well, thank you for what you did. Uh, we appreciate what you did for us. And then we turned back and focused forward. Um, and he clearly has not done that yet um, and continues to talk about it, which yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it probably doesn't help that he's at Kentucky doing it either. Where I mean, right. They're, they're going to be force-feeding him questions that kind of lay that up too. So, oh, absolutely. I mean, it, he probably wants to try to get it out of his head. I won't I won't say that he's not doing this on purpose, uh, but I, I still think that being in that media room uh, where, you know, they're kind of focused on us for the most part, we're always a circle game for them where they're rarely that one for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so I, I kind of feel like that might be feeding into it, but – Again, it's it's just really getting old, yeah. Well, this is also not the first time he's been shown the door. You know, he started right. off at Florida, yeah. Um, loses his spot there, falls out of the rotation there, goes to Tennessee, and I I really liked him in the in the twenty twenty two season. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought he was very valuable then. He had you know played in that Alabama game, did workhorse, a great, yeah, did yeah. a great yeah. job um, uh, protecting Hooker. Um, and, and this season, when you bring in some more talent through the portal. Um, look, a coach's job is to put the best players out there, not the ones that have been here the longest or you know uh, have the the emotional ties to the coaches. You've got to make a move that's going to make your team better, and that's what he did. And Mincy, as a result, loses his starting job. Now find, has to find another place to play. I think if he handled it differently, we would not be having this conversation. And um, I, I just I don't understand why he continues to talk about it. It's not like – and the stuff he's saying other than the – you know, talking about November second over and over again. It's not necessarily <laughs> bulletin board material either. It's just more mm. so he can, continues to bring it up. Um, it's like you know, you go on the, your your first date with a girl and you continue to talk about your ex, you know, your ex over and over and over again. <laughs> like it doesn't make much sense. You're at Kentucky now. You're on. You're with your new you know girlfriend. Quit talking about the ex. Enjoy your time at Kentucky and quit talking about Tennessee. I don't really understand it. And um, uh, we all well, at least for us we learned some new words out of it. We have some new vocab. What jit? Jit's yeah. a new word. We can put jit with um uh, business. Jit and business. Yeah, jip and business. And some uh, jip. I don't know. What some I'm uh, overtime <laughs> lingo. Now we got here. Pan hands. We pan hands. Pan hands too. Pan hands was one of the first ones we got. So. Kick tac toe. Yeah, yeah kick tac toe. Everything. That was a fun one. Um, Pretty funny video, by the way. If you go back and watch it between Aubrey and Justin Tucker, that was a weird game to watch. Yeah, <laughs> I, I can watch imagine. the clip. 
I don't know. I'm just a bunch of. I mean, kickers are kind of weird. And that's about anyways. the only mention I'll give it. Well, <laughs> compositions like that is what I refer to a paint drying contest. You know, who, yeah. who's who's got the best brush skills to uh, to make that paint dry? And I, I'm not watching a kick tac toe. I'm sorry. No, absolutely um, not. Or the long snapping competition. Well, look, you got, you got Purdue and Wisconsin on. I don't want to turn on my TV and see Jason Kelsey snapping the ball to a bunch of uh, and hitting the board every yeah. time. Yeah. Not even getting oh any points. Oh my gosh! I mean. I get the NFL is trying to be, you know, just trying. Um, what's what's the word keep for it? Keep people engaged. Yeah, trying to keep people engaged. Um, put something new involved, but yeah. I think they've got to come up with better, something better than kick tac toe and um, <laughs> how can you snap it in the hole? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, great first hour here on overtime. We'll see you on the other side. Stay right here.